Hello, hello, hello. I apologize for the uh, audio quality here at the start. Um, the guys and I all have pretty crazy schedules, so I'm once again filming this in the car, which means you're probably going to hear some road noise, and it's probably going to be a little bit distorted. I try to clean it up a bit when I have to do this when I get home, but um, I, I apologize right now. This is our Sober Up Recap. It's me, making taking this solo. Like I said, everybody's busy tonight. I think everybody's also watching the Astros-Rangers game, but me, I'm, a, I'm an Astros fan for what it's worth. I'm not speaking for the podcast. I believe most of the staff are Rangers fans, but I'm not the biggest MLB guy, so I, I was the only one who could take care of this this evening. Um, yeah, I got 20-ish minutes in the car. Time to get into it. Now, I can explain what happened in the game, of which Texas Tech would lose to BYU, what is easily one of the more difficult to stomach losses of the last few years. That's including that Wyoming loss in there is one another one. Um, and a, a loss that was very upsetting to watch start to finish, I think, for everyone. I can break it down a number of ways and will, but I think my central conceit, the, the central message I'd like to pass on is unless Baron Morton returns as your starter soon, you will not make a bowl game and you will be going home this postseason. Uh, you don't. You do not have the horses in the barn to win with Jake Strong as your quarterback. It's just reality. You know, I'm not going to be too hard on the kid. I'm not going to beat him up. I'm not. I, but it is just reality that it needs to be said at this point. There is a reason he was QB three on the depth chart, and he's not ready for this moment. And he's not going to be able to get you a win. He just can't. Not at this level. He doesn't protect the football. He he can't move the offense along. Um, you know, the processing's not there. It's just, he's just not ready for this. And I'm not making any sweeping generalizations or statements about what his career will be as a Red Raider overall. I'm not going to, you know, get up here and beat up on him and say, ah, he's never, he never can play at this level. But right now he can't. Um, you know, for that matter, I think it, for those of you who are jumping on this hard, I mean, it remains to be said that, needs to be said that Donovan Smith did not really look like a D1 starting quarterback at Texas Tech. And to be honest, he nearly beat Texas. And he looked pretty good at moments this year. So, you know, guys get better and progress and, you know, over time, what's not, what's, what I'm trying to get at is let's not drop the hammer on Jake Strong's career, but we have to acknowledge the reason why he was buried on the depth chart. And that is, this is not his moment. Um, and BYU demonstrated the perfect strategy to beat Texas Tech at the moment, which is basically let Jake Strong throw the ball away and, wait for Tech to implode on a couple other moments, and you'll win every game against the Red Raiders right now. You know, the defense gave up 17 points in a game in which your offense was largely helpless most often and gave up five turnovers, including a six turnover on downs where you just dropped the ball. Uh, so, you know, what are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to win games when that's going on? The answer is you can't. You know, I think that if Bear Morton returns, I think you can win every remaining game on your schedule at least until Texas, you're at that level. But, because while I'm, I'm going to get to the Zach Kittley of it all again and discuss what I think should be done and blah, 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 you just can't run an offense right now without a quarterback. Um, your offensive coordinator's not creative enough. And I'm not trying, I know people are going to be like, well, you can't really be using this as an excuse to get rid of Kittley. And I'm going to talk about some of the things I think he does wrong, even with Jake Strong in, but the reality is it's just not. There, there aren't many offensive coordinators in the nation deal with this, and Zach Kittley certainly isn't one of them. Um, and that's not necessarily even an indictment of him as Texas Tech's offensive coordinator to say 
how many guys could successfully manage a QB3 at this point. Uh, you know, that's I'm harsh on Zach Hitley. I'll continue to be, but I'm going to be fair here. I don't know who could do this that well, but those who could are the top three or four offensive coordinators in the country, and most of those guys have good jobs with fat paychecks, and they're not coming to Lubbock. Nobody would leave the jobs those guys have. Um, you know, I think the best example of teams dealing with this was, was Baylor in that UNC bowl game way back when, when they ran the triple option for like 350 yards of total offense and won that bowl game without a quarterback. You know, you're just, that's just, there aren't that many guys who can do that. There aren't many teams that are capable of doing that, and that's reality. So, this bye week's critical. You know, it's a great time to get your bye week. It's a great time to have time to let Barrett Morton's shoulder rest. His back, I think, has also been troubling him. You know, there's a couple of things going on with him, so hopefully he can get healthy and get some practice reps in the following week to get ready for TCU. You have another nationally televised primetime game at 6 p.m. Um, it's at home. So, you know, that's that's really what we're rooting for, because I, I don't want to be the Debbie Downer in this situation, but you guys watched the same game I did. Did you see a reason to believe a Jake Strong-led football team can win another game? Because I can. Like I said, 17 points, despite allowing five turnovers and a six on a turnover and downs. Pretty, frankly, phenomenal defensive effort, especially considering the rocky start where they gave up that long touchdown drive uh, right off the back. And it became apparent very quickly that something was wrong with this offense in a major way, even worse than we had suspected. So I'm not going to be on the defense. I just I can't be mad about giving up 17 points. BYU's bad offensively, but they've scored more than 17 far more often than not. So despite everything they were working up against, you know, the defense did its job. But that's the thing. That's basically pitching a perfect game in college football and you can win. So what can you do in the meantime if Jake Strong is the quarterback? Is there anything you can do to change the fortunes? I don't really think so. Um, I mean, the hope is, is that I've been saying it all year. If you think I want, if I'm going to be wrong, if Jake Strong's going to start against TCU and beyond and we're going to win those games, here's what has to happen to change. And this is a recap, so I'm going to put it in the context of the BYU game. First and foremost, that those two, I don't know if they were miscommunications between him and Taj. I don't know what happened. But the two drops and those handoffs. That's the simplest and most emblematic problem of Texas Tech right now. You don't do the little thing right. So that's really all I can say. If you want to fix this, you can't have nine penalties. You can't drop, you can't fumble the ball as often as you did. You have to protect the football. Um, and that means doing the little things right. And look, this is one of those areas where I'm going to be coming after Kitley. He's the quarterback's coach, and you're telling me after like three straight weeks where Jake Strong's been taking a heavy dose of the, of the QB1 reps while Baron Martin's status has been uncertain. He can't hand the fucking ball off correctly? I mean, that hasn't been worked out with your star running back? You haven't given him the reps to be able to do that? Like, that communication should have been settled day one that this was being going on. So I'm blaming the quarterback's coach for that one. Because that's coaching. They run, you guys, if you've ever played high school, college, peewee football, you know those handoffs are practice repeatedly, and I know we got bigger fish to fry when it comes to Jake Strong, but you can't do the little thing right, you can't do the big thing right, and we're not doing the little thing right, so we're not doing the big thing right. Um, other areas, penalties, like I said, nine penalties for however many yards, I think was the finals, like 80, 90 yards of penalties, that's not going to cut it with Barrett Morton as your quarterback, let alone a guy who's not prepared for this moment. You know, that's not going to cut it with anybody as your quarterback more often than not. You have got to play smarter. 
Um, the ejection was garbage. I want to say this right now. I'm embarrassed for BYU fans and their program that that kid lied like that. That's a joke. Um, yeah, that's just unacceptable behavior from any D1 player to intentionally try to get somebody tossed out of the game. More, more likely than not, what happened is he headbutted the guy and sweat flew out and hit him in the face. But he headbutted him, right? Like, that Jaden York wasn't the instigator. BYU was. I don't even know that kid's name. I'm not going to learn his name. Fuck him. Fuck the horse he rode in on. Not going to make any bigger uh, comments on BYU, but that was an embarrassing moment for that program. Uh, that was more shit. And I hate saying that, because I actually, typically speaking, have only heard nice things about BYU. I've heard the environment Provo's fantastic and everything you hear it is. Uh, I've heard their fans are extremely nice. I've heard good things about it all. But that, that was unacceptable and frustrating to witness what, as a program, I, I typically like uh, being involved in something pretty sketchy. And, you know, that's all I'm going to say about that. But point being, that penalty aside, I'm pretty sure I didn't really see many I didn't agree with. I mean, I'm sure there were a couple that were more ticky-tacky than others, but procedural penalties, things like that, you know, you can't have it. And I said it, said it against fucking K-State. I said it two, three weeks ago. I said it four weeks ago. It's in the margins that Texas Tech is losing games. It's in the margins. You're losing them on these fronts. And Coach McGuire was hired because Matt Wells couldn't correct the discipline problems this program had. I mean, that's why one of the big reasons Cliff Kingsbury was let go was the belief that the penalty yardage was so unacceptable and that's something he should be controlling. And then Matt Wells came in and it didn't change. You were just as undisciplined. And now we got Joey McGuire teams doing the same shit. Look, I believe in Joey 100%. I'm not bailing on this experiment. I'm not anywhere close to saying he can't get this done. The recruiting classes are coming. I think he's going to continue to do it. I have questions about Zach Kitley. I, I think we will be firing him sooner rather than later. I hope I'm wrong there, though. So, but overall, I'm, I'm still all in on Joey. I'm all in on what he's building, but this is a problem that the head coach should be working on. He doesn't control a ton. A head coach like Joey McGuire ain't calling plays. He's not subbing out packages. He's deciding when to go, and he's deciding uh, uh, what to say to his coordinators to encourage them to do certain things, but he's not... He's not, you know, Andy Reid. You know, he's not Brett Venables. These aren't, these aren't, he's not calling this game. And when he's in practice, he's not calling the practices either. He's trusting his staff and he's monitoring it. But one of the things as a head coach you are responsible for is discipline. And they're playing undisciplined ball. They do stupid shit regularly, repeatedly, over and over again. So, want to win games with Jake Strong as your quarterback? Want to flip the script? It starts with the little things. Because, look, he ain't suddenly going to become Patrick Mahomes. Maybe he gets better over the bye week. I, I, I have said this a million times over the course of doing podcasting, social media, etc. I want to be wrong when I think Tech is going to lose. It's one of the reasons I n- almost never pick against Tech in a football game, even games where I'm confident they're going to lose. Oregon, uh, uh, Texas last year, these games where I was just fairly certain the Red Raiders were going to get beat, I still am going to pick Tech. 99.99% of the time because I, I don't want to pick against my happiness. And I would much rather be wrong. So I want Jake Strong to come out and look like Patrick Mahomes. But the best case scenario is he comes out and he protects the football after the bye week. And if he does that, you earn the right start. But the other thing that has to come along with that is the team has to hold up their end of the bargain, and that means playing smart, disciplined football. Because if you don't play smart, disciplined football, and Jake Strong does start to play a bit better, it's probably still not going to be enough to get W's. You know, Kansas isn't a joke this year. TCU's down, but they just hammered BYU folks, and they look damn good doing it. 
And that BYU team, I think we all saw, was not good, and they took you to task just by curling up in defensive crouch and letting you beat yourself. So you've got to fix a lot of things. Uh, I saw I, uh, on the little things, the last I'll say about the little things that you have to do is, you know, the I've been confused at times with decisions our returners are making. I'd like to see that get cleaned up. Um, I think there's too often that guys are fielding the ball deep in the end zone when taking a fair catch would be better, or catching punts where they should be letting them bounce, or not going, that, not going for punts that they should be trying to field. I'd like to see that get cleaned up a bit more. I think Dre McCray has a future as a returner. Um, you know, the mistakes made this season on the returning front aside, and there's been a few. I think that that's an area where you can start beating teams is taking advantage of the fact that you've got some real speed now at the return position. I think he's got to continue to do it. Um, I don't remember who dropped, who fumbled on the return this week. I want to say it was Miles Price, but I could be wrong, so I'm not going to speak definitively. But regardless of who it was, that's one of the problems right now. We're just making too many mistakes on the return game. I think we're giving up free yards. I think we're not taking advantage of opportunities to flip fields when we should be. And, you know, that's in the margins. Uh, now, getting more specific in the offensive side of the ball, what did I see against BYU that we can fix? First and foremost, Zach Kelly's obsession with vertical shots, because here's, here's something I saw that is well stated. Emery's one of the guys on Twitter who's a big, uh, 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 big Zach Kelly supporter, one of the few that I've seen still really vocal about it outside of, like, Kelly's family. Uh, and I'm not, you know, I disagree with Emery on a lot of points about what he says about Zach Kelly, but... I won. I don't think we're doing a service. I don't present some sort of viable argument to the other side because if everybody on the staff agrees with me, and I think they all do, we're just not providing value. We're just showing you one side of the argument. So you should be watching his threads and listening to him um, on reading his tweets about it because I think he is the other side of the argument best phrased. Um, he's the only one putting together a competent argument, I think, in favor of Kitley. But one of the things I saw that I really bought is Jake Strong um, has a really, really bad habit of he's a one-read quarterback right now. Um, you know, that was an old Mike Leach thing, by the way. They they only had a couple of reads predetermined. They locked in. They threw the ball because Mike said, yeah, throw it there because it's going to be open. But that's not how this offense works best um, because you don't have Mike Leach calling the plays. And, that's, again, that sounds like a shot at Zach Kidley, but that really isn't. Mike Leach was one of the greatest all-time, if not the greatest, all-time offensive coordinator. And guys like him, minds like his, don't come around that often. So it's not even a critique of Zach Kittley right now to say, like, hey, he can't do that because I don't even think fucking Lincoln Riley and some of these guys who are lauded as offensive coordinators are at that level. But my point is, is that that one read shit means that when Kittley calls a vertical shot, Jake Strong doesn't look to throw it anywhere else. He stares down that receiver and throws the ball. I think you saw uh, the Xavier White touchdown as a great example of some of the stuff you can't do to help him. Right? Like, that was a motion, looked for a mismatch. I think there was a guy running towards the middle to pull the safety away, and the DB got caught flat foot, and they busted. Granted, a bust isn't something you can count on week in, week out, but it speaks to, I think, some of the things you got to do better. You can't just put your receivers in one-on-one go routes and hope for the best. It hasn't worked all year. You know, your best plays have been lucky jump balls, and that can't be the case. you got to attack the middle of the field in intermediate routes. We have forgotten that they exist. Emery and I got into a bit of an argument during the game where he was, I, the previous third down before this happened, Tech threw the ball twice incomplete and then ran on third and ten and didn't get anything to split it and get anything close to hitting on fourth down. I couldn't figure that one out because why not run on first or second down and use the same philosophy? 
you know, that's that split the downs uh, into four kind of mode, and I just felt way too predictable and forced. The next drive, um, Kitley throws, I think it was the vertical shot on third and ten. And everybody's response, like, weren't we just mad about him throwing, not throwing on uh, third down last drive? It's like, yeah, but the difference is, is that nobody wants him to be all or nothing, at least I don't think anybody does. What they want him to do is take what's there. And that means throwing to the middle of the field. I think our most successful plays, far more often than not, that aren't just those little uh, somebody busted or somebody makes a heroic catch on the sideline, were the plays where Miles Price or Xavier White got the ball in the middle of the field, or one of the tight ends did. Throw intermediate routes. A five-yard, ten-yard route has its use. It's not all or nothing. It feels like we got an OC who thinks everything's all or nothing, and that just isn't how this game has to work especially for a quarterback like Jake Strong, who needs a lot of throws that are easy to make this work. Now, he's not going to make all of them, and that's why I'm not blaming Kitley for the ones that went wrong. I think most of those picks were just bad balls. I'm just talking about in general, you got a one-read quarterback, give him something he can work with, and I don't just mean screens. And that's the other problem. I think way too often when we think we got to build his confidence, Kitley thinks that means screens. It doesn't. It means run a slant, run a curl route. He's not going to hit them all, and he's missed plenty of them this year. But if you do it enough, you can help him out. And the other thing is, this goes even beyond that. Run RPOs. Seriously, he's looked. I thought that the best moments that this kid has had were in the speed option. I think he's got at least enough in his mind to be able to read the situation. And I know that you've got to fix the mesh point and all that jazz before you can even think about doing stuff like that. But I think you can give him some of those read option looks and it'll work out okay. Um, but... Again, I'm not, it's hard to really figure out even what's wrong because the kid can't really get it done right now. So I'm not on the Kitley bandwagon because with better quarterbacks and a healthier team, he wasn't on it. But I'm not jumping off now, per se, because suddenly the third string quarterback's not world beating because of course he wasn't going to be. But if you want to know what my two cents are on the offense, I think we got to get out of the all or nothing mode. I think we're running the ball. Uh, one of the things I noticed in this game was the offensive line didn't run block particularly well, which was the first time I thought in a long time they really didn't. There were moments against Kansas State they had similar issues, <coughs> but you can just see what's happening is the complete one-sided nature of the offense is wearing on them. Um, I still think Taj Brooks is capable of working in those situations. I will also say I thought Taj probably had his worst game of the year, I thought he missed holes he normally doesn't. I thought he didn't break contact that he normally does. And some of that may be wear and tear. I mean, it's a long year. He's getting a lot of reps. Um, you know, he was probably never thinking to his mind he'd get more than 20. And I think to win, you have to give him 30. So I think there's a lot of combinations that are playing into that over the course of the game. But one of the things I will say also is I, I'd like to see more Cameron Valdez. You know, give Taj more of a break. Take 10 reps of his off the board, and I think you see a much better back. Um, and I know Valdez is not Taj Brooks. I know that. And I know the boxes are tricky, and it's going to cause issues and all that jazz. But I think that's something you can do to help. And again, I'm going to say this for the millionth time this episode. I am not a fan of Zach Kitley for a lot of the stuff he does. But it, I am not trying to pretend that he should figure out a magic solution for a third-string quarterback who can't really play. I'm just suggesting what you have to do to manage it and hope for the best. And hope Baron Morton's arm feels better. That's really, that's the end of the story. Hope his shoulder gets better. Because if it doesn't, you're going to struggle to win some football games this, the rest of the year. Uh, defensively, I thought they played really well. I thought there were moments where BYU, which is not good at running the ball, had a lot more success running it than I would have liked. But they do what they've been doing a lot this year. When they've gotten punched in the mouth a bit, they've regrouped. And like I said, BYU 
curled up into a defensive crouch. You know, this was not a proud moment for the BYU football program in terms of they just took it to a Power 5 school. This wasn't one of those. This is they let Tech self-destruct over and over and over again. And credit to them. You win the game any way you have to. This isn't me trying to take a swipe at that program. I'm just pointing out they definitely didn't win this game. You lost it. And that's, you know, they let you do it. That's what they had to do to get this W. The program is as banged up as you are. That's, they have a lot of injuries on their side of the ball. And they, they, you know, they took advantage of what their opposition was giving them, which was, you know, I think, I don't remember how long, how many scoring drives they had in this game. I think two or three, and only one of which was a full length of the field. I think the other two were short field situations. Um, and, you know, when you turn the ball over as many times as Tech did, you were still successful defensively. I, I, I took heart in that because you played bad against Kansas State uh, defensively. And I thought you needed a bounce back game in a big way, and I think you got it. You got it tonight, uh, Saturday night. So, you know, if you're looking for the silver linings, there's not many to find, but one is that can be found is your defense is playing well more often than not. Um, they just got to get help offensively. Uh, th- this was a disappointing moment for the program. I was embarrassed to watch it. I know the team was to play in it. I know that the, the coaching staff is angry and everyone's upset and all that jazz. But one of the things I want to say last, because it is a pet peeve of mine, I get so tired of coaches and fans and people around the program who feel the need after losses like this to be like, ah, if you're a fan, you won't give up on the team. I'm not, I, I, Besides the fact that this is technically my job, which, you know, I don't, it's not like we're getting rich doing this. It is a hobby for passion. I'm a diehard Texas Tech fan. I watch every minute, every game. I don't leave early unless I get overruled by friends and family. Um, I'm there on the highs and the lows. As mad as I get, as frustrated as I get, as mad as people get at me, I've been there for pretty much every moment. Um, I think the only time I've missed a major sporting event this year was if somebody literally died um, in the past year. So... You know, I, I really, I really, really feel like I'm, uh, uh, I and a lot of fans like me are in the same spot. We're, we're, we're hanging in there, but we're tired. We're tired of losing. And we don't need constant reminders to how to be the perfect fan. Because that shit's just annoying. And you don't need to do it. I don't need the coaches telling me not to quit on us. I don't need people telling me, oh, you gotta be there in the stands. Because it's supposed to be fun. That's the thing I think we forget. When teams play bad and everybody's getting mad because attendance drops and blah, blah, blah. It costs a lot of money to watch football, even at home. To watch every game, you're paying for some sort of Wi-Fi or cable package. You got YouTube TV. You got something that you're paying to watch. If you're going to the games, you go to more than one. Go to go to more than one Texas Tech game this year probably costs you between 150 and $300 just for one person. Because you're paying for your ticket and concessions. And a lot of people, because of where a lot of kids are flying in. It's expensive. It's expensive. And, you know, other than the students who I don't really think have any excuse, the rest of us are spending our hard-earned time and money to support these programs. We don't constantly need the moralizing about how to be a better fan. We don't. We don't need it. So that's something I'm I'm getting tired of because we all know the team's not going to give up. We all know the staff isn't going to give up. But, like, put a product on the field that's watchable and fun, and we don't all feel like it's the worst thing ever to have to watch a Texas Tech game on Saturday. I love Tech football so much, I'm bummed that it's the bye week. But, like, it, I, for the first time in probably the five years I've done, like, live tweeting for a game, this was the first time I ever wanted to turn the game off. 
it was so hard to watch this pro the shell of this team compete. And I'll still be there when the game starts again. But don't moralize at me. I think is my with my point. We all want them to win. Even the guys who are just terminally depressed, we all want them to win. And I hope that I'm wrong about some of these prognostications. It wasn't a good result. I didn't dive as much into this game as we normally do because one, it's me, and I don't want to talk for 45 minutes. And number two, um, I just don't want to dwell on something like that. It was hard to watch. We hope for better and expect the worst. I think is where you're at. You know, you're three and five football team. Three and five football teams are not good. Accept that. Yes, you should have three more wins on your resume. You should have. You should be six and two. Really, if you took care of business, <clears throat> you could be seven and one. Other than the Kansas State game, if you just took care of business and didn't do stupid shit offensively, you'd be seven and one. So you know that's frustrating, but you are what you are. You are who you are at this point in the year. The best you can hope for now is that you go on a little win streak here and get to bowl eligibility, and maybe you beat Texas and have some fun with that. But you know the big lofty goals we were all sold on this offseason, all that hype. Didn't pan out. And Joe McGuire's going to wear that. That's the other thing. I I know people want to constantly talk about the fact that, oh, it's early in his tenure and blah, blah, blah. He sold us on this. And he wears that it didn't pan out. It's not unfair. You sell hype and you don't deliver. People don't believe the hype the next time around. People aren't going to buy in as much next year. I guarantee you, you won't see season ticket sales like you did this year next year. I guarantee it. I think they'll still be good. I think people still believe in Joe McGuire. But you have to produce. You overachieved in year one. That was fantastic. You're underachieving badly in year two. You can salvage the momentum by doing pretty much what you did last year. You know, it's not like I think TCU, UCF, and KU are world beaters, and then obviously spoiling Texas's dream season in Austin would be amazing. You do those things, look, we're, we're having a different conversation heading into the bowl season, heading into the end of the season, potentially, if you win that. Back-to-back eight-win years is nothing to sneeze about. So, you know, I, I think that that's where we are. You just got to accept it and try to enjoy it as much as you can and keep hoping. Just do the little things, man. That's what all anyone should hope for with this program is they do the little things right. All righty, folks. That's our recap for the day. Enjoy this MLB game that's going on right now. I probably won't publish this till the end, so I hope your team won, whoever it is. Reckham will be back more this week. I think we may even have some basketball content for you guys. So get ready for basketball season, which is right around the corner. Reckham.